Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast Weekly Sermon Podcast. We want you to know that we're excited about our brand new church facility located on 1331 Cove Road in New Bedford, Massachusetts. We offer three service times for you to choose from. We have kids classes for all ages so parents can enjoy the service while kids learn about Jesus. We'd love to host you in person, Saturdays at 5 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Now, here's an encouraging word. Glad you're here. I hope, uh, I hope you did your Christmas shopping. I'm really talking to the guys. I know we will show up at the mall right before it closes. Be like, hold on. You know, some of us will go to CVS because it's open 24 hours and find something weird. Talking about, I love you. No, you don't. Um, I'm talking to myself. Um, <laughs> if you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 6 is going to be our scripture for the day. And we want to add another layer to this concept of church starting at home. And uh, this is a very, very important message that I'm going to hit it on a few fronts here. But we have to understand that when God says he wants to raise a family, God has more than just that immediate family in mind. God has generations in mind. God is a God of generations. And so today I want to talk to you about raising a generation. And I believe this is a mandate from God's people. If you call yourself a believer, this is a mandate for you. This is not just for parents. This is for anyone who says, I'm a believer in Jesus. God says, you are part of what I'm doing on this earth, which is to populate the earth with believers, to, gen- to, to basically make sure that this message goes from generation to generation to generation. And none of us got here in a vacuum. All of us got here because someone invested in us. Someone prayed. Someone believed. Someone sowed. Someone cried. You know, someone bragged. Uh, I mean, bribed, right? Someone made sure that we're here, and we ought to thank God that he is faithful to put people on our path to make sure that we get his word and his truth. And now God says, now it's your turn to make sure that the next generation also is blessed and also finds my will and finds my purpose. And so today, my friends, it's another message that requires maturity because the the reality is this, you know, as human beings, we are selfish by nature. We just want a message about us. But, But the thing is this, I believe one of the greatest signs of spiritual maturity is to understand that I'm not just here for me. One of the greatest signs of maturity is to know that I'm here for somebody else as well. Can you say amen? And, and it doesn't take much to see, my friends, that churches are dying and closing because they haven't focused on the next generation. That church is dying every single day. It's the saddest thing, but it's happening. If you go, go ahead and Google it, you'll see how many churches are closing their doors every single week because they stop investing in the next generation, and now they don't have anyone to pass the torch to. But I want to say today, we are committed to the next generation. We're not going to be a church that is just for us. So listen, we can all play a role in this, and so I'm going to talk about as a church, how do we play a role in raising a generation? I want to talk about a home. How do you play a role in raising? Because I believe that it takes a village, right? Like, I really, I want, to, I want you to know that I hope you're going to help me raise my children. 
You know, and I hope that you don't put any burden on them because they're pastor's kids. They're just kids, period. And they need the same thing that any other kid needs. Believe me, they're not super people because they're pastor's kids. Believe me, they need even more prayer. They need even more covering. They need more people to kind of help them find their way. And so I hope that you're here to help me raise my kids as well. Can you say amen? So, so look, we got a lot to cover here. I hope you're ready to go on a ride here. But here's what the Bible says, Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 1, it says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will always, and you will have a long life on earth. Fathers, which is also parents, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Can you say amen? So God is a God of generations. It's hard to read the Bible without seeing that. You know, you start from Genesis, you don't get far, too far before God says something about the next generation. He's always thinking about what's to come, right? Because God lives in Present and future at the same time. Okay, that, that blows our minds. But God's not just, he's not just thinking about the immediate. He's thinking about what's coming, right? And so God calls his people to always be thinking about what's next and who is coming up next. I want to give you one example in the book of Joel. The prophet says this. God told this to the prophet Joel. You can go ahead to my next slide. Tell your children about it in the years to come. And let your children tell their children. Pass the story down from generation to generation. That's how we're continuing to see the move of God on this earth. It cannot stop with one generation. It has to always be about the next one. And God says, listen, make sure you're telling the stories of miracles, of breakthrough, of healings, of restorations, everything that I've done in this generation so that the next generation can also see what God is capable of doing. Because the truth is, at this point, your young people, they can only see you, and they can only see God through you. You see the res responsibility that we have is to model for them, is to emulate for them what it means to be a follower of God. Can you say amen? So we have this divine responsibility to pass the story down from generation to generation. And one of the things I thank God for what's happening with our churches, if you look around, we have multi-generations in this room right now. And this is our third service this weekend. Every single one is filled with multiple generations. And I thank God for what he's doing. Not just multiple generations, but multicultural, all backgrounds, all walks of life, you know. It's awesome. But I'm telling you, spiritual maturity comes with understanding that at some point, it can't just be about me anymore. That, to me, is when you know you've crossed over from just going to church but being a mature believer. It's when I am concerned with passing this thing down to the next. So Christmas is coming. My friends, I hope that our concern is that, man, this is a great opportunity for my friends, for my loved ones, for my neighbors, for my coworkers to come experience the love of Jesus like never before. Like that should be our focus, my friends. I don't want to sound, you know, I don't want to sound critical, but I'm telling you, beyond gifts and, 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 and beyond 
parties and beyond what the service is going to look like. My concern should be, God, help me bring my co-workers to your house. Help me bring my friends to your house. Help me bring my neighbors to your house. Help me bring one more person to come find the same grace, the same forgiveness, the same understanding that I have received for myself. My friends, the enemy is a liar. He's made Christmas about material things. It's deeper than that. It's about the souls of the human beings. That's what matters. <laughs> I, I, I feel like God's giving me a message for Christmas. It's, it, I'm going to ruin Christmas. <laughs> Just giving you a heads up. Okay, when Christmas comes around, I'm going to be the Grinch. <laughs> or maybe Scrooge, I don't know. I'm going to ruin Christmas. But I'm, I, think, I think we're going to get a better understanding of Christmas. But listen, my friends, we are committed to the next generation. I would tell you this, a church that is not thinking about the next generation is already dead. It's just a matter of time before it actually comes to pass. So, my friends, I want to say this very clearly. We refuse to be stuck in the old, boring traditions of doing church. We are not committed to traditions. We're committed to people. Right? Because I'm telling you, some churches you walk in and you're like, who died? Right? It's not a celebration. It's a funeral. Right? And, 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 and people don't even realize that, that life moved on, that God moves on as well. Like, the, the message doesn't change, but the approach should change. The relevance should change. Like, we should be in the cusp of what societies are because Jesus came in the cusp of society. Jesus always spoke relevance into the society that he's in. The Word of God is powerful to transcend all generations, to speak to this generation right now as we speak. And it's up to us to create an atmosphere where young people feel like, man, I want to go to church. And I'm telling you, you know you're winning when your kids are like, I want to go to church. I thank God that all five of my knuckleheads are like, I want to go to church. That's winning, my friends. When your kids want to go to church, you're winning. You may not want to go to church, but your kids do. What does that say about it? Okay. You know, like, listen, we are committed I refuse, my friends, to be boring. I refuse it. You know why? Because God's not boring. Boring people make God boring. Right? That's the reality. Right? Boring people will make anything boring. You ever had a boring teacher? You ever sleep in, school, in class? I've slept in uh, You know, teachers just reading a manuscript the whole time. You know, the best teachers are the ones that are like, forget the manuscript. We need to do something fun and exciting. I want you to learn something. <laughs> right? Right? When, when, when people say church is boring, I say, no, no. Church is not boring. Boring people make church boring. God's not boring. Boring people make God boring. Right? Because God every day shows you how he's not boring. Have you ever looked at a sunset? God's always saying something to us in the skies, you know, in the stars, in the moons. Like God's always speaking how creative he is, how exciting he is, how happy he is. Where do you think you get a sense of humor from? God created you to have fun, to laugh, to be happy, to enjoy life. And somehow, 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 I don't know what happened. Religion said zero fun. Right? And we think people are so holy because they don't have fun. It's like, man, I tell you, one of the signs of spiritual growth is that you learn to enjoy life. Like, if you're not enjoying life, you're not doing God. You're doing religion. Because God created you to enjoy life. Therefore, a church service that honors God should be fun, should be exciting, should be uplifting, should be joyful. 
Hey, I'm telling you, if you're, if you're not into this, you're not into fun. And we can't help you. But I'm sure there's a cemetery, or ch- I mean a church, um, that, that you can f- <laughs> and you can go and, and, do your, and check your religious box that you did it. You know? But I'm telling you, us, for, for us, we are committed to make sure that church is fun, where our kids say, God is exciting, God is fun, God is for me, who can be against me? We're going to be always pushing the envelope. We'll have rap music up here. We'll have trap music up here. We'll have reggaeton music up here. Like whatever it takes, we will see a generation follow the will of God. So I don't know what God's playing up in heaven. Guarantee you it ain't boring. Like I just read in Revelation, it says one day they're going to come from every tribe, every nation, every language, and we're going to all collide into this place called heaven. You think that's going to be boring? Wait until you see the African Christians. Wait, 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 wait till you see the Latinos come in. Hey, 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 wait. I'm telling you, it's going to be off the chains. And then, the, and then the Portuguese Christians. <laughs> God's like, Portuguese Christians, you get the after party. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <You> <laughs> oh, man. You get the 3 a.m. crowd. You <laughs> Y'all ain't leading worship at prime time. Y'all ain't leading. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, Portuguese. I love you. you. You have the best food, so you bring the food. You, you, bring, you bring the food. Bring the food. Leave the songs. You know, just bring. <laughs> oh, man. Well, listen. Church should be exciting because God is exciting. You know, God is in the midst. You think God's not laughing with us? Right? God is exciting. God loves to have fun. Read the Bible again. You'll see it. You know, stop reading the Bible from a religious mindset. Just read it as a human being. You, you will see how exciting God is. You know? And, and so, my friends, whatever it takes to teach him the way of Jesus. I believe this with all my heart. It's a sin for church to be boring. It's a sin. What is sin? Sin is missing the mark. So when, and when we're making God something that he's not, we're sinning. My friends, we ought to repent for not being excited and joyful about life. Think about it, right? There's churches who are always talking about sin. Don't do this. Don't do that. I want to tell them, don't be boring. Maybe they won't be doing those things if you weren't boring. Maybe they'll be more excited about going to church if you weren't boring. So the next time you meet a religious person, say, hey, I know you know a lot of Bible verse, but can you smile though? I know you know the Greek and Hebrew, but could you laugh in English? <laughs> you know, I, it always breaks down to you why we shouldn't have this, this, and this, and this. But it's like, why don't you have the joy of the Lord, which is your strength? Why don't you have joy? <laughs> you know, like I want my kids to enjoy this. And I want your kids to enjoy this. That's why we put a lot into kids' ministry. By the way, shout out to our kids' ministry team. Oh, man, those people are awesome. 
can I encourage you, if you're, if you're a parent, invest in people who invest in your children. I'm telling you, it's not an easy job. I was a high school teacher for nine years. It's not an easy job. And so it goes a long way when you as a parent come alongside a teacher and say, I'm here to bless you. I'm here to help you. I'm here to pray for you. I'm here to, to, to bless you. with the, Like Christmas is here. Like do something for the teachers. Listen, the public school is not an easy thing. It's a tough environment to be in. And I thank God for teachers. I believe they are some of the unsung heroes of our society. Teachers who show up every week to invest. Listen, let me tell you something as a leader. Last thing of someone who's trying to make a difference need is someone to come and stifle them. They're trying, man. They're trying. We're trying. You know, like we know our faults, we know our shortcomings, but we're trying. And so why don't you come alongside and say, I'm here to help you. I'm here to be on your side. Don't side with society. Don't side with your kids. Because I'm telling you, they're not always right. Like side with the authority that God has put in their lives and speak over them. Because think about it, right? The last thing you want is to go to a restaurant and complain about the food because the next one that's coming... You don't know what they blessed you with. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is don't bite the hand that feeds you. And don't sow the branch that you're sitting on. We all need these people in our lives. Believe me, every step of the way, we need more than you and I. We need more voices that will speak life into our kids. Today, when you go and pick them up, thank those amazing people who work so hard every week. Listen, you know that we average about 200 kids every single week. You know that that is bigger than any given church in New England? You know, churches in New England average a total of 40 people. We average 200 just in kids. That's a church in itself. You know, don't take that for granted. Don't take that lightly. God is doing something powerful here. So we need to invest in those who invest in our children. Can you say amen? You know, I want to talk to the young people for a second here because... Again, I want us to make sure that we're all blessing each other. So young people, hear me out. The Bible says that honor and respect is the way that your life will be blessed. So listen, honor and respect will bless your life. You have to understand every principle of God is to bless you. And so understand this, if you're going to be blessed in life, you have to learn to honor and respect your authority, which starts at home, whoever that is. It could be your grandmother, it could be your uncle. Whoever your guardian is, God says, learn to honor and respect them because that's the way that I bless your life. You see, God is a God of love, but he's a God of principle. And God will bless where there is this principle in place. So don't do what a lot of young people are doing. They're doing the opposite of honor and respect. You know what the opposite of honor and respect is? Is rebellion. And you know where rebellion started? With the guy who lived in heaven who said, I'm not going to honor and respect God. I want to do my own thing. And since then, this world has been in chaos because anytime you side with the opposite of honor and respect, you're siding with the wrong person. And this is not just for kids. Like this morning, you honored me by praying for me and giving me a gift. And to be honest with you, this stuff, they blindside me with it. It's, it makes me awkward. But at the same time, you know what it is? It's a great principle. When you honor and respect your authority, God will bless your life for it. So, 
So listen, young people, I want you to understand this. No one cares more about you than those you live with. And they're not perfect. But the Bible didn't say honor your perfect guardians. He said honor and respect them because I'm telling you it's the right thing to do. Right? So if you want your life to be blessed, and I tell you something, it doesn't take rocket science. Go to school tomorrow. Any kid who gets in trouble, who is not doing their job, who is not living the will of God in, in the will that, 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 that parents ask for them, I guarantee you it comes down to honor and respect. You strip it down, you're going to find that somewhere this began to not be in place. And, and let me tell you something, young people, because you have to be smart. And I speak to you as, as adults because I believe that in you already there is a purpose. There's an identity. So I want to tell you this right off the bat. Listen, the enemy never comes and says, I'm here to ruin your life. Enemy comes in subtle voices, familiar voices, who tries to come against the very thing that he came against when he was in heaven. And so let me, let me give you some, some practical things to understand as young people. Listen, he comes this way. He comes with voices that says, man, your parents are always bugging. Are you really, come on, man, are you really going to listen to that thing the pastor talks about, like you can't have sex until you get married? Like, this is, this is how the enemy comes. He doesn't come to say, listen, the consequences will be this. He will say, no, the fruit looks really good, but he won't tell you what comes after the fruit. Right? And my prayer, my friends, young people, is that you, you are too smart. You've already been positioned to know, wait a minute, I know that voice. That's not from God. That's not from his will. That's not from his purpose. I, there's no way I'm going to buy into that. And I really believe this. I, young people, I'm prophesying over you that you are so stinking smart that you call things out before they even happen to you because you already know what this is all about. You know, listen. Do the right thing because it's the right thing. And that's how God blesses your life. Right, do the right thing because it's the right thing. And it's one thing I'm trying to teach my, my older kids right now. It's a challenge to help them understand this. I want you to do the right thing when I'm not watching you. Because that's the real you. Right? Like if you only do it because I was in the room, then you're not doing it because you understand it's the right thing. So I'm trying to teach them that. We have to teach our children to understand that, man, integrity is priceless. Listen, you can lose a lot of things in life, but if you lose your character, that's hard to get back. Right? And so we have to teach them that, listen, when God says, this is the only commandment with a promise, young people understand this. God says, like, this, is, this commandment comes with a promise. Like, you honor me, I'll extend your life. Right? Look, it's, it's this way, right? What God is saying, let me give you this illustration. It's like you have an umbrella, right? And, and it's pouring out and your parents, your guardians are like, man, I got your back in life. Right? As long as you're under this thing, you're not going to get drenched. You're not going to get soaked. You're not going to be left out. But if you decide to get out under from this, you're on your own. This is what happens to a lot of young people. This, I would say, adults, let's be honest, a lot of us wish we would have stayed Right? Because once you get out, God is love, but the consequences are real. 
Right? So, so as long as you can, young people, learn to appreciate and embrace the fact that, man, God loves me so much that he placed me under his umbrella of grace and love and mercy and protection. And as long as I'm here, my life is blessed. See, adults, let me teach you something here too that is so critical. Don't you understand when you are under the covering of God's house, you have an umbrella? But when you decide to be a, lo a, a, a lonely ranger Christian, you decide, I'm going to do my own thing. God's like, you're on your own. When you pluck a rose and you give it to someone, that rose looks beautiful for a few days. But go check on that rose in a few weeks. That thing dies. Why? Because you cut him from his source. God's people are supposed to be under the covering of God's house and the pastor and the leadership and the position. Let me tell you something. This is very important. This is, listen, young people, I want to teach you something through adults here. A lot of adults are, uh, are actually hurting you because what they're doing is this. Now, both of you are not covered. You know how many times I've seen adults walk away from church because they got offended over silly things? But they forgot, man, I don't want to get my, oh, my whole family under, from underneath of this thing. Because I am offended. Offenses is one of the major ways that we lose God's blessings over our lives. So I'm telling you, this is a mature word. Learn to be under the covering of God's blessing. You know what I love about the Bible? It's so honest. It's so raw. King David was being persecuted by a man named Saul, who was the king. God was like, I don't want you anymore. I'm gonna, I, want, I want David. And Saul wanted to kill David. And then David had the chance to kill Saul. But he, you know what he said? I'm here. If I do that, I'm doing this. He said, man, I will not touch the Lord's anointing. Like, you go ahead and talk about church, talk about pastors, talk about that, but us from here in my house, we're gonna stay under the blessing, the umbrella of God. Don't be surprised when you are bickering and your kid starts bickering. And then don't be surprised when he says, forget you, mom, dad, I'm going to do my own thing. This is, I know it's a strong word, but we need to hear this stuff, you know, because it's not about us anymore. I've seen parents take away, take the kids away from the church. And where are the kids now? Where are they now? Where are they now? Go, I'm telling you, go look for yourself. Don't look at when, when people leave the church for one week or two weeks. Look at them six months from now. Look at them a year from now. Look at them two years from now. Because God's blessing will follow you. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you when you are under his will. Listen, here's my challenge for you young people. I'm going to show you this picture. It's powerful. It came out this week. Time Magazine gave this young lady the most prestigious award, Person of the Year. This young lady named Greta, 16 years old. She's a climate, climate activist. She's from Sweden. And she had this burden that things need to change when it comes to the climate because she's like, if we don't change things, my generation is going to suffer. And she started protesting by herself outside of the parliament in Sweden and began to tell the Sweden government, you guys need to do something. She started leaving school and going protesting by herself. And then they gave her a chance to talk about it. They're like, Get, okay, tell us your heart. And she began to share her heart. And then next thing you know, months goes by. And now she's, she has over one million young people who have signed off with her to, to make sure that this climate thing will be changed for their generation. That is powerful. And I love, I love the subtitle of this article is The Power of Youth. 
The power of youth. I don't care if you don't agree with her, with her politics. That's not what it's all about. I'm talking about the fact that she had a burden for something. Because again, adults who are boring, well, who cares about climate? No, who cares about your opinion? Because this girl is making a difference. What are you doing? You know, like, I'm telling you, it's amazing to me the stuff that we, we focus on. Everything I talked about today is powerful, but someone in this room will focus on all the negative stuff. Because we're boring. <laughs> but here, here's my challenge to you, young people. Don't waste your youth. Don't waste it. It's the most powerful years of your life. It sets you up for the rest of your life. What you're doing right now is setting you up for the rest of your life. So don't waste it. There is a passion in you already. There's a purpose in you already. And the way young people stay out of trouble is not by avoiding trouble. It's about being committed to something bigger than yourself and living for that thing. That's how you stay out of trouble. Young people, I want you to go home and look up a scripture. In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verse 1, is a man named Solomon reflecting over his life. He was a young man when he became a king, about 14, 15 years old. He's giving the keys to the kingdom, and he becomes the wealthiest, most powerful man of his life. But then he began to squander it because he began to do his own thing. He forgot God. He did his own thing because he thought, you know, I'm young. I can do my thing. And then now, when you get to chapter 12, he's about 60 or 70 years old, reflecting over his life. And he says, man, the worst mistake that I made was forgetting my creator in the days of my youth listen my prayer for you young people is to live with as much with less regrets as possible my, my, listen I, I'm at the point this is what I'm praying for our children in this church is that we can have more testimonies that are less dramatic like I want less prodigal son stories I want more Samuel stories grew up in the house served in a house Praise God in a house. Never have to leave. Never have to go into the world to know how good God is. Let's prophesy and believe. That is the future of our children rooted, grounded in God's house, not wasting anything. By the way, here's a quick nugget for you. The word wasteful is the word prodigal. Bet you didn't know that. Bet your Greek and Hebrew friend didn't break that down for you. <laughs> Basically, prodigal means wasteful. He's like, man, you just wasted the best years of your life doing absolutely nothing. Don't get caught up in doing absolutely nothing and then go back and go, ah, man, I wish I had done something with my life earlier. Can you say amen? I'm so thankful God grabbed me at the age of 20. But then sometimes I think about, man, what if he had grabbed me earlier? Like, I, I, I'm grateful for the life I've lived. I feel like I've lived a great life. If I go tonight, I feel like I've, I've lived great. You know, honestly, I hope I don't. Because I want to be like 85 rocking pajamas, you know, uh, <laughs> and seeing my grandkids. I hope so, but we'll see. But anyways, listen. I bet adults, we think about that, don't we? The wasted years. The prodigal years that didn't add up to anything. But thank God that he's the God of the now. We can take full advantage of what's happening in our lives right now. So listen, my friends, God loves you. He has a plan for you. My, I want to say a couple more things to the youth. Be different. It's so funny because I'm going to get on you for a second. This generation loves to pride themselves after being unique. But y'all look the same. Like you talk about like being real, but I'm like, y'all look like plastic. All your Instagram look the same. 
You know, so it's like, why don't you really be unique and embrace being unique and then start a new trend? Because the thing is, you guys love trends, so why don't you start the right ones? Why don't you start the trend that I'm going to be who God called me to be? You know, I don't know what happened in heaven, but I believe there was a board meeting. God had a meeting with the angels and stuff. He's like, yo, I don't know if God says yo. But I, I, I picture like a board meeting in heaven and God's looking at the world. He's like, yo, we got to do something different. Because some of these preachers are whack. <laughs> and, and some of my people, man, they're boring. I don't know what happened. So we need to start like creating a new movement. And then I think one of the angels was like, yo, but here's, I was just thinking. I mean, since you said that, I was just thinking, because I was listening to his album the other day, but I was like, yo, what if you get Kanye, though? <laughs> you know? And then God was like, yo, wait. Yo, that's different. It's like, yeah, that will mess up all the religious people. And then we get all of the ones that were like trying to find you, God. And so, you know what? Let's do something different. Let's mix it up and let's start a new thing. And so don't be surprised. I'm going to prophesy this now. Don't be surprised when, when Justin Bieber comes up with his worship album soon. He's already been doing it. And young people, I'm talking to you. Go look at his Instagram. He's telling you basically, like, stop worshiping me. Like, I wasn't meant to be worshiped. Y'all messed me up by worshiping me. He's like, we're supposed to worship the creator. Right? So God is doing something new. Listen, can you understand this? It has absolutely nothing to do with Kanye. He's just a vessel. You know, people get hung up on stuff. No, get past the vessel. Look at the message. God is trying to say something to this generation. So, you know what I love about it? He's like, man, stop living for the culture. Because he's like, I've done that already. Here's someone on the inside telling you, like, it's whack. Like, stop. And we're thinking, yeah, you know. And he's like, yeah, I've done all that, and I have the money to prove it. So stop it. There's nothing there. You know, so, so refuse to conform to the culture. You know, God has a plan for you, but it's not to blend in. It's to stand out. The Bible says stand out as a, as a light in this evil and perverted generation. Like, be who, exactly who God called you to be and watch God blow up your life and show other people, look what I can do when you follow me. Now, parents, the, the, the battle for us is to, is to live in the tension of grace and truth. That's what Christianity is, grace and truth. The Bible says Jesus came with grace and truth. Right? Not one or the other. Like both. It's a tension. You can't, if, if it's not a tension, you're given, you're given one over the other. It's a tension of grace and truth. Matter of fact, that's what Christianity is. When you say you're a follower of Jesus, you're saying, I want to live in the tension of grace and truth. Like if you're not doing that, you're just being religious. Anyone could do that. That's so easy. Just show up and look sad <laughs> or mad. You know, but grace and truth... Is, is, is the challenge of being a follower of Jesus, right? Jesus shows you that with his life, how to live in grace and truth, right? So let me give you one example of what I mean by grace and truth. When, when, when the religious people brought the woman that was caught in adultery, by the way, they never brought the guy. 
You see how religious picks and chooses? Didn't bring the guy, brought the girl. And they were, they were like, we're going to get Jesus now. This is it. Like, we're going to get him. Like, he doesn't follow the rules. And Jesus was like, was good. I always translate the Bible into my own. It's the, it's the Mark with the Barrows translation. Um, and they're like, we caught this woman in an act of adultery. And the scripture says we should stone her. What does Jesus do? Jesus bends down and begins to write, almost like trying to make a point where all dust come from dust. And he said, well, then, if you're going to do that, how about we start with who has no sin can start with the first stone. So get up. Who's up? They're like, man, he got us again. Like, so they, they dropped stones and left, and she's the only one left. And, and he, he said, where are your accusers? She said, they're all gone. He said, well, you're free to go. But go and sin no more. You see, that's grace and truth. Grace says you're not condemned, you're not judged. But truth says you can't keep living in that because you're giving more power to sin than you're giving to the grace of God. But, so, as parents, that's where we live. That's actually as Christians, honestly. And that's a lifetime of learning what grace and truth is. There's always a tension, and depending on your personality, you fall under under the other. Like, honestly, all of us have preferences. Some of us are like, just give me grace. <laughs> you ever see the Christians? Can we just worship all day? Because we don't like the conviction of truth. <laughs> right? So we have those people. And so, and so you got those parents. I just want to be their friend. <laughs> they can just skip school and watch movies with me all day. <laughs> truth is, you're raising bums. But then you have this side, the parents, in this house we have no fun. My parents never had any fun with me. You won't have any fun. Hey, you're going to earn everything. Shut off that water, it's been two minutes. <laughs> Better get a job. Mom, I'm eight. Yeah, get a job. <laughs> so you need both. It's grace and truth, my friends. Grace is not a license to sin. Grace actually empowers you to live life above the sin and mediocrity. Truth comes to say, okay, now here's how you go about your life filled with grace. It's both. It's tension there. So, so for parents, it's that tension between being a disciplinary and a friend. You need both. If you only have one or the other, something is missing. Right? Because here's the thing, parents. You don't want to be the, the person that they fear, but then they don't talk to you. Because you close that door by just being the dictator of this house. And guess what? When they really have stuff to talk about, 
they'll find somebody else to talk about. So, so that door should be open for our children to feel like, yeah, my parents, there's honor, there's respect there, but there's also a level of friendship there where we can have conversations. Because isn't that what we want? We want them to be able to come to us with whatever's going on. But also the flip side is if, they, if we are only their friends, they will lack the honor, the respect, and the discipline. So we need to live in that tension. And guess what? That tension changes all the time. You know why? Because they're always changing. Like, I hope you're changing. Like, life will be so boring if you're the same person you were last year or the year before. I hope you're growing in this grace intention called Christian. And I think the older we get, the more we should reflect this tension of grace and truth. And your kids are growing, so that means you have to grow with that. Right? You have to grow. Right? Like, next year, 2020, I'm going to have a teenager in my hands. O-M-G. No, I, I love, she's here. I love you so much. You're going to be awesome. You're going to be such an amazing teenager that... leave it at that. We'll talk later. <laughs> Listen, raising kids, to me, is the ultimate school of discipleship. I've learned more about raising kids than I did in Bible school, about discipleship. Because in Bible school, it's all head knowledge. We all know, we all think we know a lot. Right? Isn't it funny? Like, you think you know a lot until you start doing life. Then you're like, yo, that's just, I was just book smart. It's one thing to know the, 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 the ins and outs of ministry. It's another thing to be in ministry. Right? It's one thing to read a book about parenting. It's another thing to parent. You know what I'm saying? So discipleship to me, God has shown me so much about what it means to be a, a disciple as a student. You see why Jesus said, come to me like a little kid? He's saying, like, are you teachable? Like, can you keep learning? Can you keep growing? That's why religious people don't grow, because they can't be teachable. They're like stuck, like, this is who I am, and I don't want to change. Quiet. But discipleship is, I'm growing with you, and we're growing together. Right? And sometimes you have to say that to your kids, because that will open doors. Tell them straight up, hey, dad's trying to figure this thing out. Instead of pretending, because they know when you're pretending. You, know, you think kids don't know. Hey, they pick up stuff. They're so smart. They know the vibes. Right? Like, and then kids, man, kids will teach you grace. You ever discipline your kid? Five minutes later, they come and hug you. Daddy, I love you. And you're like, I'm such a jerk. And the Holy Spirit's like, yeah, you're a jerk. That's why I send that kid over there to show you how much of a jerk. God doesn't talk to you like that. <laughs> That's a lot of truth. And then he goes, but I love you, you knucklehead. That's grace. So, so. <laughs> Hey, parents, let me, let me give you some practical things that I'm trying to learn. Listen, I don't have the corner market on this. I'm learning with you. Listen, things change all the time. We're growing. But the key is we have to keep growing with them, and they grow with us. Amen? So here's some practical things before we go. Listen, number one thing is you got to be consistent. They need consistency in life. But you know why? They're inconsistent, not because they want to be, because they're growing. Their hormones are all over the place. They don't know where they are yet. The last thing they need is, is their inconsistency to meet your inconsistency. That leads to chaos. Right? So when they come around you, they need, to, they need to come around someone who's grounded. 
Listen, let me give you a secret about life in ministry. Hell could be breaking loose, but you don't have to. All right, listen, this happens all the time. Listen, ministry has a lot of challenges. So my, my wife always tells me, how do you keep it together? I'm like, yeah, you should see me on the inside. I'm going to let the storm ride on the inside, but I refuse to give the storm permission to come out on the outside. So believe me, it's there, turning, you know, trying to come out. And you're like, you ain't going nowhere. Like, it stops right here. Like, my kid already, he's already inconsistent. He doesn't need me to be inconsistent. The problem is, when a parent is not mature enough, now we just have chaos going on. Like, right now, with this whole gender confusion, the problem is, you know, the kids, they're trying to figure it out. It's psychology. By the time, listen... Up to 12 years old, they're still trying to figure out where they are, like, as far as, like, sexuality goes. The last thing they need is a confused person to tell them, I'm also confused. So let's figure this out together. You, you need someone in your life that says, no, no, no. Listen, honey, you're not confused. You're going through a stage, but here's who God says you are. You are a child of God. All right? Last thing we need is some wacky counselor with incense in a room, talking about, let's do yoga. Let's watch This Is Us, so we can be even more in our emotions. The devil's a liar. We need to speak life into our children. Says, you're not confused. You're just growing. You're John. You're, you're going to be a man of God, and God has a plan for your life. You're Sally. You're going to be beautiful. You're going to be powerful, and you're going to do amazing things. You know, speak life. Be consistent because they're watching you. They're watching you every move. That's why I challenge the man. It's like, man, if you're not into it, don't expect your kid to be in the church if you're not into it. Because they're thinking, man, dad is the coolest dude that I know. If he doesn't like Jesus, then I don't either. But if daddy loves Jesus, more kids more likely to love Jesus. I'm telling you, we know we're winning when our kids are like that. We need to go to church. And I've seen this over and over again in this church. I got to run. Go ahead. Set boundaries. So critical. Kids need boundaries. Even the ones that are pushing the envelope, they, they want to see how much can I get away with. But the reality is this. They want you to set the boundaries. Even when they're kicking and screaming, they're like, please lead me. Indirectly, that's what the kids are telling you. Lead me. Don't let me lead you. Right? If you so if you're only trying to be a friend, you're going to miss this. Where there's no boundaries, there's no discipline. Where there's no discipline, there's chaos. So boundaries is important. Like, listen, I gave my girl a fish. And I said, you got to take care of this fish if it's going to live. Right? But I said, imagine if, if someone decided, one of your friends came over and was like, oh, my gosh, that's so messed up. The kid, the fish is in an aquarium. We should set him free. You should find Nemo. <laughs> I'm like... The very thing that you think the, the fish needs freedom from is the thing that's keeping the fish alive. Boundaries are healthy, my friends. It's what keeps you alive. Why do we have guardrails on highways? To make sure if you hit it, hopefully you come back this way. So we need as many guardrails along the way for our children to understand. I don't want you going over the cliff. I need you to stay on the straight and narrow. It's the boundaries that's blessing your life. 
So set boundaries. Like one of our boundaries that we, that we, just to give you an example is, you know, we love video games, I love video games, but we only play on the weekends. That's our boundaries. They, they understand that. They, they know, like Monday, don't even ask. Wednesday, don't ask. Thursday, doesn't matter. Friday comes around, not only do you get to play, I play with you. Because this is how I parent. I want to do things that I love to do with my kids. It doesn't feel like a burden. It doesn't feel like an obligation. So if you do the things you love with them, and by the way, I don't believe in participation. I believe in winning. <laughs> so I whoop my kids every weekend. Just last night, I got home from, from Saturday service. He was waiting for me. Whooped him again. Okay. Because that's how you learn in life, friend. The only thing free here is salvation, son. Everything else you got to earn. <laughs> After Jesus, everything costs. By the way, salvation is free. Discipleship will cost you everything. Next one, avoid comparisons. Listen, it's detrimental to their self-esteem to be compared to another kid. Because they're not another kid. Especially if you have more than one in a house. The last thing you want is to be like, why, don't, why aren't you just like... Because they're not. Now here they are struggling with their identity. Now you're making it worse. Because now they're like, wait, not only I'm not sure who I am, now you want me to be somebody else. It's not fair. It's actually unhealthy. It, it's toxic to compare our children. Because they're all unique. We have five of them. I'm blown away at how unique they are. I tell my wife, I'm like, how in the world? Like, we had all five. How did they all come out, like, different like this? Because God doesn't do the same thing twice. God always makes people very, very unique. So don't compare them. Listen, you have to embrace them for who they are and teach each one individually how you want them to go forward. There are some things you have to do for, 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 your, for your son that is different from what you're going to do for your daughter. So you have to be very involved to know this is what works for her. This is what works for him. But it's the same principles. I just have to approach it from a personal standpoint. That's the work of parenting. It's work to, to get to our children. And also, don't compare them with other people's kids. Because you only see that kid on a good day. And isn't it funny? Like, Johnny always behaves because, because Johnny knows you're around. But if you go to Johnny's house, right? Isn't it amazing? Like, people can come to our house and we're in the thick of it. Things are flying over the house. But the doorbell rings. Everybody behaves. Hey, kitchen is crazy, stuff is flying, ding dong, hi. <laughs> and they're like, oh, y'all are uh, removing things? Yeah, we're just reshuffling things, you know, no big deal. How, how can I help you? <laughs> you know, be careful with comparisons. Listen, I'm a big believer in this. My wife will tell you, like, I don't care what other people are doing. I could care less what other preachers, churches are doing. I just want to be faithful to what God has called me to do. <laughs> You know, like, I, I don't care. Like, to me, one of the detrimental things that's happened to our society is social media. It's led people to compare yourself with other people's highlights that took them 45 minutes to post. You notice, like, no one posts their low lights. Instagram is a sports center of life. It's just a highlight. But no one tells you, like, man, that took you 45 minutes to post the right angle, the right filter, and what is the most spiritual caption? 
that I can post. My favorite ones are the ones with the selfies, but with the Bible verse. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I can do all things through Christ to give me. Like, how many more selfies are you going to include a Bible verse with? We get it. I just want to see a post that says, I like my face. <laughs> or, please like this so I can feel better. So the dopamines can, you know, like, let's just say it. Here's my favorite one. I usually don't post. At that point, I'd be like, why are you posting? <laughs> you know those people that have to justify their posts? I normally would not say this, but then why are you saying it? I want to be the angry translator of Instagram. <laughs> By the way, I, I, I hope you understand this. Don't get offended. I try not to follow church people on purpose because I don't want you to think I'm following you and then coming talking about you. Okay? So when you follow me, I don't follow you back. It's out of love. I want to give you a space. So when I preach, you're like, he was on my Instagram. Because <laughs> I'm not. I love you, but I'll follow you from here. You want to connect with me? I'm right here. Avoid comparisons. It's not good for your soul. On any level. Marriages, children, church. It's not good for your soul. Okay? Avoid it. I got to run. Challenge them real quick. Challenge them, my friends. Challenge your children. They need to be challenged. Don't make everything easy for them. You're hindering their growth when you make everything easy for them. Life is not easy. So, Listen. They need to be challenged. Of course, if they baby, baby them. But once they hit one, <laughs> it's like, yo, we got work to do. Right? Isn't it amazing that a baby could do absolutely nothing and you're like, oh, this is amazing. Like, I'm telling you, this is why I get in trouble. I love babies too much. Like, babies, man, they'll do nothing and you can stare at them forever. You're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And their smell. Why haven't we had a cologne with baby smell there? I don't, I don't understand. Why? That's a, that's a moneymaker right there. But it's like, okay, now you're one. Come on. Like, some parents scare me because I'm like, your kid's not going to walk until he's 10. <laughs> Like buying kids all kinds of contraptions and stuff. You know, the kid needs to walk. And he's only going to walk if he falls. We need to learn something from the birds. You know what the birds do? The birds will drop their kids from like 40, 50 feet up. And the kids are like. <laughs> and the parents just watch the whole thing. The kids hit the floor. Bam. Parents are like, you're going to learn today. And you got to fly. You know, like, I feel like we're, we're, we're just babying our kids too much. They need challenges. Give them reasons to feel like I'm part of this family. So I have responsibilities for you. Like, give them tasks. Keep them accountable. Remember that. A lot of us struggle with finishing things. Why? Because as kids, we never finish things. So why don't we try to teach them now, like, start something and finish it. Right? There's like a joy that comes when you finish something. Challenge them. And last one today, I've been saying this every week, have fun. 
show them that there's a kid in you. That kid didn't die because you're 30 or 40. Like Jesus says, approach life like a kid. Like, have fun, my friends. It, it, goes, it goes by too quick. My, my youngest one is three, and I'm like, don't grow anymore. Like, just stay right there. I just like that age. It's so much fun. Like, enjoy them while you can. Next thing you know, they'll be out. They'll be going to college. All right? And now the roles get reversed. Now you're like, please hang with me. Because right now they're like, Dad, hang with me. You're like, I don't have time. Next thing you know, you're like, yo, can we hang? He's like, Dad, yo, I don't have time. All right, like, take advantage of the fact that they're in your life. God blessed you with them. Not just parents, please, mentor. Mentor somebody. Take some kids under your wing. Like, help parents help their kids. I want to give a shout-out to all the single moms. You are superheroes. We... We need to help these single moms. We need to come alongside and say, hey, let me take your kid out. Let me bless them. Let me help you because I know you're doing a lot. And, and, and it's not that they don't want to have fun. They just feel so stressed. And by the way, my friends, fun costs zero dollars. You don't need to have money. To, I grew up in a third world country, man. We knew how to have fun with nothing. Hey, we get, cardboard is fun when you got nothing. If you notice, watch this Christmas. You're gonna give your kids all kinds of gifts and they play with the boxes. The boxes may works. I told my wife, why you, why wrap stuff? Just give it to them. Hey, we have to do the work of picking up all the stuff they're gonna play with. Hey, have fun. I'm trying to live by this principle that take God seriously, but don't take yourself too seriously. Because you're not God. Yes, you have your, 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 your worries. I know life is not easy, but guess what? Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of his troubles. I got you today. I'll take care of you today. I'll bless you today. Keep following me, and I'll keep blessing your life. I'll bless your children. I'll bless your children's children. I'm a God from generation to generation. Listen, he's not done with you yet. You may not be there yet, but you're on your way. God is good. He's faithful. He's for you. He's for your kids. He's for your grandkids. He's for the city. He's for all of us. And I believe that the best is yet to come for our families. Somebody ought to give Jesus some praise. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. And for more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.